The Talk of the Street is brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today. Gosler darts. By the way, I was intrigued to learn recently that there were a couple of Romanian steam locomotives preserved in Wales. Really? Yeah. Sold abroad, unfortunately, in 2016, or you could have gone to see them. What a shame. Had an unusual articulation, which enabled them to negotiate much tighter curves than normal. How interesting. Hello and welcome to episode 97 of The Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street catch-up podcast that thinks it could spend an hour or two trying to brute force hack into Tim's dad's laptop, or could just pick it up and smack him across his stupid fucking face with it. I'm Gavin. <laughs> and I'm sewing masks today. Is that what you're going to be doing? you really going to be doing that? I don't know, maybe. I have some other things that I need to get done first, and and then I I might I might have a... I might have a crack at it. I might have to, you know, MacGyver some elastic out of some clothes we don't wear anymore and stuff. <laughs> so what's the, the official line on this? Because I think I, may, I missed it. The CDC now recommends that everybody wears masks because they've learned that you can be asymptomatic and still have it and still spread it. So they want to stop people from spreading it without knowing that they're spreading it. Because before they said, you know, if you're sick, if you have any of these symptoms, then stay home and that should be enough to flatten the curve. But now they realize that people are testing positive that have absolutely no symptoms, a la Idris Elba. I thought we knew this from the start, though, that you had it for 14 days before you kind of showed any symptoms of it. Not that this is a healthcare podcast that's another podcast that we don't do right yeah well this is what the cdc is now saying okay okay before they said you should only wear a mask if you're having symptoms Mm -hmm. or you're a healthcare professional and now they're saying everybody should wear one because everybody is a possible spreader so and i mean we have idiots in our town that are still going out and hanging out with their friends and looking lampposts and (laughs) Visiting family and doing all the stuff that we were told... Parking in our fucking yard. ...a month ago not to do. (laughs) So, who knows? It's... Who knows? I've been awake for half an hour. (laughs) (laughs) I've been awake for two hours. I had my tea. I checked my email. I did a load of dishes. I played some of my frozen game on my phone unexpected consequences of being uh, of everyone being at home for for three whole weeks as the the dishes are never done (laughs) (laughs) they really aren't we have two sinks they're typically full of dishes you you 
you empty them, you you can't get two sinks worth into the dishwasher, but right. you can get like a, a sink and a half. Right. So it looks like it's almost done, and you think, once this load's done, I can get that load on, and then we're clear. But, but then the, more dishes the, accumulate in those the, two hours the while the dishwasher is running. <laughs> I, th- I think I think because I loaded them this morning, as opposed to one of the children loading them, I think I think we might have seen a a a, a, a possible end for <laughs> a, a few ten, hours. At a least. Temporary end, yeah. <laughs> Just nice to see the bottom of the sink every now and again. I know. Uh, other consequences of being. <laughs> stuck at home for three weeks. I go down YouTube rabbit holes. <laughs> yes, you do. It's hilarious. <laughs> they typically last a week. Right. And last week I was uh, I spent an awful lot of time watching Penn and Teller Fuller's videos. Right, yes. And reading the comments that people telling you how the tricks were done and stuff like that. Or how some guy on the internet thinks the trick was done. Right. And there's some really good stuff there. I, I kind of like the ones that don't fool better than the ones that do fool. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a couple of do-fool ones that are spectacular. Uh-huh. This week, I've been watching videos of people who are scamming the scammers. Right. So all those pop-up ads that you get or phone calls that you get telling you that your... Um, your auto warranty is... <clears throat> these ones are that you are uh, you have a virus on your computer or... Oh, yeah. Or your licenses uh, or you've... Uh, we need to give you a refund and right. you need to call this number. Right. So you call this number and somebody in India typically tries to scam you. But there are people who are well aware of this who phone them up. And the scamming, uh, the critical part of it is that you have to give remote control to these people. Right. So in giving control to these people, what they're doing is they're giving control uh, back to you. Right. So unbeknownst to the scammers, these Double scammers are, mm-hmm. once this happens, they go in and they delete all the files on the scammer's computer <laughs> and bring down entire call centers. It's fantastic. There's a guy called Jim Browning who's just a ninja at it. I, I well recommend looking up Jim Browning's videos on YouTube. Oh. That, that's been my week. That's been your week. <laughs> oh, what has been my week? Well, things are still selling on, on Mercari and Etsy. That's good. So that's good. It's, it's a little bit of income coming in and... The post office picks stuff up, and I still have to drive to my FedEx guy, which is a shoe repair place in the next town <laughs> over, which is very tiny, and it's just him, and I don't have to get six feet close to him. I can just put things on the on the counter while he's over doing something else, like nailing some shoe leather. Cobbling. Doing some <laughs> right? cobbling. Doing some cobbling. Or cutting keys. Does he cut keys as well? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's a strange it's marriage, really isn't cool. it? really cool. It's a strange marriage of shoe repair and key cutting. And, and FedEx right. delivery. <laughs> so, you know, and trying to get the kids semi-educated while also having them do the brunt of the housework and cleaning things that haven't been cleaned in forever. For example... Oh, this is hilarious. <laughs> I think... Cleaning under... Your chair. I th- I think <laughs> five five years ago, my coworker Audrey discovered that I'd never seen Slumdog Millionaire. She said, "Oh, it's a brilliant movie. I'll bring it in for you." So she brought it in for me. And she gave me the DVD, and I put it in my man bag. And in my man bag, it remained. I think it was in my man bag when we went to the Cayman Islands, <laughs> which was like a year and a half later or something. Right. We came back, 
I took it out of my man bag with the intention of watching, watching it. it, laid it down, and it just... It just we should put it lost. on the list. It just became lost after that. We should watch it in one of our family movie nights. People who have known me for uh, f- for some time, like former co-workers back in Scotland, know this of me. <laughs> never give me a loan of anything. No. Because you never get it back. Correct. And I've already told Audrey... That we finally found uh, it? We had a Teams meeting, a video chat, so I showed her it on that. I said, we have it. And she says, good, now you can watch it. And I said, I don't know if we have a DVD player anymore, but then I remembered the PlayStation. Yeah, and the PlayStation. But and Plus, we can watch it on demand, oh, probably. But between now and us going back to work, I bet you I'll lose that again. <laughs> we should mail it to her. That's what we should do. We should mail it to her because then it'll be in the, you know, it'll be packaged for two to three days. So if anybody here is infected, we're not going to infect her. I, I don't know if I know her address. You could always ask. <laughs> so yeah, I I don't know what that says about our <laughs> the cleanliness of our home that nobody had bothered to clean under that chair. It's like a it's like a big it's it's a living room chair. It's a big so old you, chair. it's it's not like you could really see underneath it unless you move it. Right. So. <laughs> so that's been exciting finding. <laughs> Finding things in the house that we thought were lost forever. Steli has been on a mission to try to find the DS charger because they've decided they want to start playing their Nintendo DSs again, which they haven't played for years, but they want to play Animal Crossing. Oh. So, and we have some of the old Animal Crossing DS games, so we can't get the new one, unfortunately, because of half of our switch being left in texas which we're just not going to talk about it. let's not talk about that <laughs> i'm still angry about that so yeah and steli and i did some exercising last night that was good we're gonna start trying to do that more often we've taken a couple of walks in the woods which has been nice and Coronation Street is down to three episodes a week. I know. It gives me so much more time in my day. I, I said this on Twitter. I am not hating the fact that it's taken me half an hour to write up my notes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like it's I feel like it's nothing. I feel like I'm just warming up by the time, mm-hmm. by the, time the episode is done. I kind of felt it a little bit on Friday. I felt... Yeah. I, I really wanted... In, yeah, it felt incomplete. Right, yeah. Oh, we've been reading a lot of books in the house too comic books i just got an order of comic books in so order books and comic books online folks keep your local bookstores afloat during this troubling time then i was trying to guide us i know back into the direction of why we're here and including you're having none of it including books about coronation street by um what's her name who does the coronation Street blog glenda yes buy glenda's books they're about Corey. and stuff and stuff (laughs) Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Yes, we better. <laughs> Give me some of that literary Cody news. <sighs> well. Well, that's a big sigh. <laughs> Newsreaders typically don't do that. Or if they do, it's a bad sign. <laughs> okay, Cory news. Jack P. Shepard has been busy during isolation, building both the Millennium Falcon and the Stranger Things set out of Lego. Oh. 
For the big ones, the big ones that cost like hundreds and hundreds. Yeah, like the big Millennium Falcon that Ryan and uh, Lancey has. Right. Poor Lancey can never get it together because he has a wee little brother who has probably scattered some of those Legos. And eaten it. <laughs> I don't think Tice would eat Lego. Maybe. My friend Ryan took took his time building that because that was... Yeah. He paid a lot of money. He wanted to get some enjoyment out of it. Yeah. didn't want to rush it. And it was brilliant. It like was. with moving parts and everything. He finished it off. There are all these little when details. When we were there. Putting the last piece when we were there. I know. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved it so much. I took a picture of it and, and texted the picture to Stelly because it was so exciting. Right. Such a nerd. It's massive. It's, it's, it's done to Batmobile as well. The Batmobile was a pretty big one. Yeah. And didn't he do like a big Corvette or something too? He's done a number of them. Yes. I bet he's doing a lot right now. Ordering them up and putting those sets together. The Stranger Things set is really cool because, you know, it has the upside down. So there's like a top. You watched the first season. You know what this is. I don't remember anything about it. It has like the upside down and then on the bottom you attach the upside. You know, they have the right, the real world. And then underneath they have the upside down, which is attached upside down to the top part. It looks really cool. I kind of want to get it. But anyway. Jack P. Shepard has also been busy with Colson Smith and Ben Price recording the latest season of the Sofa Cinema Club remotely using Blue Yetis. Blue Yetis. Colson's is exactly like ours. Yes. We got the black one as well. Yes. We don't use it anymore, though. No. Because we're more professional. They're not actually all that great. I think, <gasps> I, think they're, I think they're okay microphones if it's just you. If it's just one person speaking into them, they're right, fine. So they'll be fine for... Yeah, for, for for those guys, if they go in the right set, it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And for people on YouTube, it's fine. But doing a two way, it was it picks up everything. Yeah, it was a little difficult. Because picked up. Remember when Stella was uh, protesting and coughing upstairs about getting sent to bed? <laughs> I like, picked up that from like upstairs and a room away. Yeah, it picks up everything. Yes, these microphones are much better yes. when it's two people. Yes, they are beginning with the classic zebra movie. Racing Stripes. I haven't seen that. Well, I can't imagine that when it came out in theaters, you were the first in line to go see it. Well, normally you express surprise when I haven't seen movies that I would never go and see. No, no, you would have never gone. And because it came out in the late 90s, early aughts, it was a kid's movie about a zebra that races thoroughbreds. And this seems terrible. Why, why on earth would you pick that as movie number one? Colson picks terrible movies. <laughs> he picks movies from his childhood, which is why I've seen it because it was Nick's childhood as well. He picks movies from his childhood that he hasn't seen in 20 years that he loved when he was a kid, and then he watches them and realizes that they're rubbish. <laughs> this is what happens, and this. This will probably happen again. I'm tempted to rewatch it just to just to see if it, it if it's held up because who knows? Maybe it's not terrible. I mean, Tremors is still good, so who knows? Tremors is really good. Tremors, Tremors is holds aged very up well. and it's aged really well. There's nothing offensive in Tremors except maybe Kevin Bacon describing a woman's ass, but that's just it's so benign that one little mm-hmm. bit. We've been doing this thing. I don't know if we've mentioned this already, I think we but have. we have a movie night. Which, yes, we have because this is mm-hmm. why we don't record this on a Friday night anymore. We wait right. till Saturday morning because Friday night <clears throat> and every night 
It's moving. For the past twenty nights has been moving night for each take a pick. Yes. So I think it was two nights ago my pick. I was all ready to say Jaws and at the remote control uh-huh. and then changed my mind at the last second. I thought, you know what? I haven't seen Tremors in a while. Let's watch Tremors. And it was great. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. I yeah. always enjoy that. Yeah. Well, Jaws we have to buy or rent, so we'd have to spend money on it. So That wasn't why I changed my mind, but <laughs> it probably was a factor. Last night we watched Onward. No, it wasn't very good. <gasps> it wasn't very good. It's not, it is not the best Pixar movie. I will. I, I, it was. And this is just out, right? Yes. So rather than getting a movie, a theater release, it's on demand. Yeah, it's it's still played in some theaters in states that still haven't done a shelter in place order. Um, but yeah, uh, it's been on demand where you could buy it for a couple of weeks now. But last night was the first night that it was free on Disney Plus. So it came with our Disney Plus subscription, and it was my night. So I was like. We're watching this because I was really excited for it. The story's a little thin. Chris, it's a dreadful setup. Chris Chris Pratt is not cast very well. Nope. I I absolutely agree with you that Jack Black totally should have been in that because that that character is Jack Black, the asshole brother <laughs> with the van. Uh, right. <clears throat> it's got mythical creatures in a contemporary setting, and it's just so confusing. It's a muddle. You found that confusing? I thought it was it was just a muddle. See, I didn't I didn't mind that so much. With our eye watches and their sat navs and stuff. It was like, this is just dreadful. Well, it's kind of the whole premise is that magic has gone out of the world and they have to find it again. Yeah, so if you read between the lines, what I'm saying is that the premise is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was visually very nice, though. <coughs> like some of the backgrounds, especially some of the night backgrounds were really lovely. So if you took the characters out and just took a took the still of the of the night backgrounds and put it in a frame, it'd be lovely artwork. Anyway. Anyway. Finally. Sally Dynavore in an interview with Good Morning Britain has said that she doesn't believe any member of the cast or crew of Corey has come down with COVID-19. Lots of C's in that uh, sentence. Apparently, they have all been keeping in touch with WhatsApp. So, you know, they've been talking and chatting and keeping in touch with one another. And so that's why she is, she believes that nobody has come down with the coronavirus thus far. So thanks, Mayor Sally. Fingers crossed. She also says that she hopes some some good comes out of all of this, that we will become better better people somehow through the crisis by being better neighbors and being more careful with with their stuff. They've also been getting pished together virtually <laughs> at Daniel Brocklebank's virtual bar. <laughs> yeah, we're waiting for our... I don't know if all of them have, but... We're waiting for our invite, Daniel. <laughs> Hello. Is that Corey News? And that's Corey News. Our mailbag. John got in touch to say, in case you're wondering, they showed us one of those god-awful Star Wars films on the Friday slot last week. I object. Instead, I finished watching uh, Unorthodox on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Your Mosletov comment reminded me about this. I have to say that David has a very impressive list of girlfriends. Tina, Kylie, Emma, Shona, and now Alina. Punching well above his weight. I don't know if I'd call Alina a girlfriend. Well, 
And he didn't get his hole off her either. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I think it, it was uh, it was one of the last three Star Wars movies. So it wasn't an awful one. It was a Force Awakens, which isn't good. It is good. I like the Force Awakens. That's one of that's that's the middle one, right? That's the Ryan Johnson no, one. No, that was the first one. Oh. The one where they just rip off A New Hope from start to finish. Okay. Yeah. I like that one. I prefer the Ryan Johnson one, the one that comes next. We're lucky enough every now and again to get a lovely email from someone. Yes. And this week we got a lovely email from someone. Oh. Hello, Helen and Gavin. Just wanted to take a minute to thank you both for the from the bottom of my heart for continuing to do your podcast. I look forward to listening each and every week. As I'm a Canadian viewer, I listen a week behind. Take care again. Thank you, Gail from Canada. Well, thank you, Gail for ca- from Canada. Thank you, Gail. You made our day. Absolutely. It's um, this is one of the things that I mentioned to the to the guy in the New York Times interview that that didn't get. In the interview that our listeners have been have been reaching out and, you know, telling us how important it is to still have us going on and, and having some laughs and stuff. And so it, it kind of it's it's a stupid little podcast, but we kind of feel like we're doing our part by <laughs> keeping everybody's spirits up. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the worst way you could possibly have expressed that. I know. <clears throat> well, it's true for us as well because we have a regular listening podcast that we expect to get. In. Right. I'm glad to see that stuff you should know have dialed been, down, dialed that. it down a little bit. You know <clears throat> what happened though? I, um, I was trying to clear up some memory on my iPad, so I went into my podcast list on my iPad to to right. refresh it and and hopefully clear some stuff up, and somehow that messed up. My podcast list on my iPhone and put a whole bunch of old episodes back on, of, again. Uh, back on again. So, and I don't have the heart to delete them. So, <laughs> I've been struggling to listen to everything and I feel really overwhelmed, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I've got my Richard Herring podcast and mm-hmm. stuff you should know in my Scottish football stuff, which God knows how they're managing to crank out an hour and a half every day when there's nothing happening. Right. But, uh, but yeah, if one of those went down, I think I'd kind of feel it. So, a lot of my music podcasts have been really, really good. Like uh, the Mountain Stage one last night re-released the episode that they put out right after 9-11. And, and just to cheer everyone up. Right. Well, it was music to cheer everyone up after, after 9-11 and say there's there's hope after this and everything. Um, <laughs> REM's on that. <laughs> it's the end of the world as we know it. Which is... It can be cheerful. That was I guess. banned from global playlists in the aftermath of nine eleven. Really? Mm-hmm. There's quite a few songs that were banned from just for a day, right? A day or two, just let's not play. Well, I'm glad we're not that kind of people anymore. Crash by the primitives or stuff like that. Oh, well, that makes sense. Hindsight corner. A bloop, 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 bloop. We had something last week we were kind of confused about where Steve and Tracy were living, but that kind of rectifies itself this week, so... Yes, it does. <laughs> so that seems like... They still haven't changed the wallpaper. Welcome, welcome, welcome. 
<laughs> Welcome to last year tonight with me, John Oliver. Yeah, much harder than John Oliver. <laughs> just enough, oh, just enough time to quickly talk about cheesy balls. <laughs> Do you remember what that was? It's about cheesy balls. This was during an argument uh, that Ken and Claudia were having with Tracy about whether they were having sex or not. And Steve says, if they want to have sex, let them have sex. Now give me them some cheesy balls because they were having a little party or something. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I was Gavin and you forgot to wear your Rana sweater. Oh. And we both forgot what the initials IDST stood for that's emblazoned across the bottom of it. Right. I Do you remember what it means? No. I remember what it means. What does it mean? In death still true. Oh. I don't know what that means, but that's what I, it stands for. I, I think that their their love is still true, even when Rana dies. Although Kate is getting her hole off of everybody. Gosh, Half where's, of the southeast of where's Asia. Kate going to shelter in place at in South Asia? Do you think they'll they'll officially kill that character off using the coronavirus? No. This is uh, amusing, though, because I got in touch with an old school chum mm-hmm. who I haven't seen in... Let's see. 30 years? No, more than that. Mm. 35 years, maybe? <clears throat> My old friend Gary Webster got in touch to ask me if I'd heard from another friend, which I hadn't. Uh huh. But we ended up chatting and we became Facebook friends. And Aww. he was on holiday in Slovakia when all this happened. So oh, he's no. stuck in Slovakia at the moment. He's stuck in Slovakia. Luckily, his wife is Slovakian, which explains why he was in Slovakia in the right. first place. So they have this little cabin in the mountains. Oh, nice. So they're... That sounds like the ideal place, because that's, that's a lot of social distancing. <laughs> Seriously. We were crawling towards 100 Twitter followers. I found what I found out what Nipsey was. You specified the difference between Baby Shark and Baby Beluga. Mm-hmm. Which I was very grateful for. <laughs> we finally laid the celebrities who share the initials RP segment to rest. Gina left, Lolly left, Tim had a heart attack. Robert decides that he wants to help young offenders and has no intention of leaving the bistro. Daniel and Sinead are having a christening. Ken and Claudia announce that they're a couple. Then Sinead starts her beard oil business, <clears throat> supplying the barbers. Mm-hmm. The Gemma, Emma and Chesney thing is still going on. Wasn't oh, that a joy? God. And now we have the... Emma, Seb, Alina thing. Right. See, see, they do this. They do this to this character. It's It's tiring. Summer is obsessed with getting Paul and Billy together and is successful. Tim's dad fucks up Brian's seeds in the community garden and then buys broad beans from the shop that he passes off as his own. That was a year ago. What a tit. That was a year ago when when we got away we just called him a tit. Mm -hmm. That was before Tim's dad became Tim's fucking dad. Yeah. Leanne spots Natalie at the barbers and Natalie quickly insists that she's a hair loss procedure consultant there for Nick. That was hilarious. Leanne bought it. Peter bribes Gary to keep his mouth shut about the roof and tries to get Carla to run away. Gary ends up working for Rick the Chin. It's Ranamorial, y'all. They had two uh, Ranamorials. Oh, that's right. Each one just as good as the last. (laughs) And Carla is disowned by Roy. And you thought you were going to need a shower after the episode. I think we were quite filthy. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Moment of the week was Paul and Billy walking down the middle of the street together delivering Aww. newspapers. Aww. I remember the, the scene where Brian gave Paul the uh, the bag of newspapers. 
uh-huh. and said, right, on you go, start spreading the news. And Rita, I don't think, was expecting that line and started pissing herself laughing. <laughs> and a boring moment of the week was Tim's dad's broad beans. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time last year. 27 minutes. Shall we dive in with you? Yes, please. <laughs> we, we, we have... We, we have, have some, some elbow room, room here. Yeah. <laughs> Elbows and legs. Our first storyline this morning is our last storyline this morning. So let's jump into storyline number two, Woo-hoo! which is the recurring self-destruction of David Platt. Ugh. He does this too much. I was chatting with Ben Price fan club about this last week. Yeah, because I thought that there was growth after the whole Josh thing. I thought, I thought we had a new David who... Is it going to fall apart when things get hard? Right. And I understand that this is really hard. I get it. But still. But Crisis David seems to be... The worst, A six-pack, a stag lager, sitting in the community garden, getting into fights. Right. So on Monday... Meh. Gail meets David in Roy's roles. She wonders if he's given any more thought to Shona's request for a divorce, but he doesn't have a clue what to do. She offers a sympathetic oh, ear that rhymes. whenever he's ready. Then Imran comes in and steals David's toast. Mm-hmm. I don't think they were close enough to do things like that. I just, I'm just happy to see Imran. <laughs> he asks Imran for advice about the divorce. He wants to plough ahead, but Imran says that they need to wait a year before they can get anything started, and they've only been married for five months. Pigs tits, mom, says David. Mom. So Eileen bumps into Gail at Roy's Rolls and asks her to tell her son to stay away from Alina. David is using her to get Shona out of his system. Alina is vulnerable and David needs to back off. And all of this is news to Gail. Correct. Then David comes home and Gail wastes no time in getting to into him about Alina. It's nobody's business, he says, and besides, nothing happened. Gail is worried what he's doing to himself and she's spending all her time raising his kids. Really, Gail? Really? 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 This week, yeah. <laughs> but she's been... Gail really reminded me of my mum this week. She's been missing in action for, for quite some time. Uh, uh, how? Just, just does. Just in general, galeness. <laughs> yes. So he storms out. Some of her arguments remind me of my mum's arguments about things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Your mum's behaviour in certain instances is, uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> But we love her anyway, just as David loves Gail. As... He storms out and she shouts, yeah, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. David is walking along a footpath getting wired into another tin of stag lager, which looks awful. It does look awful. He throws an empty into a bush, but it's across the path of a gang of approaching hooded youths. And they slam David against the wall. Are they youths, though? Well, I think we're meant to. We're meant to think that they are. Hmm. Give us your money and your phone. And David just laughs at them. One of the youths. <laughs> one of the youths. Oh, everything's buzzing. Why is everything buzzing? One of the youths gives them to the count of five, but David interrupts and counts up to six. What are you going to do? He taunts. Yeah. And, the, and then the youth that was funny. a flick knife. That was funny. That was quite funny. Five, six. Now what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Hmm? What are you going to do? Hmm? What are you going to do? Hmm? What are you going to do? And I mean, these guys weren't even planning on mugging him. They were just walking by and he, he got mad because they threw a can in their path. Close to them, right. Right. So how does that escalate from, hey, don't be an asshole and throw a can at us to give us your money and your phone to 
I have a knife and I will stab you for your wallet and your phone. Oh, no, maybe these are, this is how things escalate. <laughs> do they? I don't think, yeah. I think they they can do. I've been in situations that have escalated quite quickly like that. Sure. Not where anyone's been threatened to be stabbed, but I've been punched in the face. Well. That was Ian Finley's fault. <laughs> it typically is. <laughs> oh, Ian. I hope I hope they're doing okay, because they just opened that new restaurant. Oh, God, yeah, I forgot about that. Ah. Uh, Oofed. Yeah. I don't hear from him as much as I'd like. I need to drop him a line. Yes, you do. Anyway. Derek posts most on Facebook, more, much more than Ian. So this was the end of Monday's episode, which <laughs> felt so incomplete, because now we're kind of thinking that a day has passed and he's still stuck up against us. <laughs> yeah, the the wheels of the the timeline credibility fell off very quickly this week. Which yes. which we expected to happen. And this and one's it's always fine. going to be a problem. It's it is fine. fine. So on Wednesday David changes his tune and he says, Look, look, just let go of me and I'll give you the stuff. So they mm-hmm. do and he manages to boot one of the guys in the nuts and he runs away with a big smile on his face. Run away, run away. Gail is catching up with Nick in Roy's roles now. She's worried that she made everything worse with David and that he'll be doing something daft. Nick is very sweet with his mum in, in this episode. Yep. I approve. Yep. Nick promises to find him. And meanwhile, the thugs have cornered David on Rosamond Street. And then thanks to a delivery van and a distraction that would fool Penn and Taylor, David manages to escape up the fire escape. Yes. How did that happen? I don't know. He just manages to do it. And none of them see him. It's like Spider-Man would have had a hard time pulling that off. Very quiet. Maybe David is Spider-Man, or the British equivalent. I know there's there's Captain Britain. Is there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He just drinks tea and watches cricket <laughs> Got a big and complains about immigrants. Union Jack on his... <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> I don't mean to suggest that. No. <laughs> there's Captain Canada. <laughs> Captain Brexit. And then there's the, the Russian guy who's in the Black Widow movie, which we'll also probably have to see on Disney+. Plus. Oh, God. Heads up, I will fall asleep during that as well. Oh. Later, Nick hasn't found David, and he's not answering his phone. And Gail thinks this is, this is exactly how he was after Josh. Yes. Yes, yes. exactly. And this it's is part of the problem. To the T. So not only do we have the Emma thing going on we have the david thing nick promises to find him again and then predictably david comes home with a carry out like nothing's happened and he mentions nothing about the attempted mugging no on friday david and lily have concocted an evil april fool to trick gail by having (laughs) lily hide under the table and leaving the back door open making it look like she's run away see that was disconcerting for me because it wasn't april fool's day when i watched it so this was meant to be Wednesday's episode. Gail is pleased to see David looking a bit more like himself. Yes, and they all have a laugh. <laughs> then David meets Alina and Roy's rolls and apologises for what happened earlier. Which was nice. Gail hurries in to tell David that his car is on fire and then hurries back out again. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> David claims not to know who that woman was. <laughs> <laughs> he asks Alina if he can sit down and she agrees, but no funny business. That was hilarious with Gail. I know. I've moaned 
for almost two I, years about how comedy gale doesn't really work, but that was funny. That was funny. I think a lot of it was David's reaction. What oh, yeah. would have been funnier if this car really was on fire? <laughs> if we just heard the explosion. <laughs> Philly Stockton to Alina. <laughs> they mean when he doesn't. <laughs> David admits to using Alina. Well, you and everyone else, she says. She used to be a fierce woman and she wants to get back to that, which she thinks David has helped her some way down that road. She suggests that they both find a new way to get a grip of themselves. Sounds good, says David. And later, David's standing at the entrance to the tram station and deliberately bumps into a brick wall of a man. They square it up to each other briefly before the guy laughs it off, calls David a weirdo and walks away. Because he is a weirdo. So, this is, I guess this is the still the David, or at least I felt something when that guy punched me. Is this... I think so. Is this a kind of masochist? Yeah. This is getting born quickly. Oh. <laughs> this is getting born quickly. That's how we finish this storyline <sighs> this week. Yeah, this is... It's like same old David, and I... I really thought we'd gotten over this, and that he's a bigger, better person, and that if he's going to fall apart, he would fall apart in a different way. I guess but, it's true to character, but that thing that you mentioned earlier about growth... Yeah. ...doesn't demonstrate any of that. No. So you see someone time and time again go through the same routine of the re- recurring self-destruction mm-hmm. of David Platt is... It's, it's not it, the most exciting thing in the world. It gets old. Mm-hmm. Well, just like the whole Emma thing of Emma getting in a relationship and then the person still being in love with somebody else happens over and over and over again. Or Emma gets in a relationship and she sabotages it by believing that the other person is in love with somebody else. The, the <laughs> Alina and David thing is not a thing anymore then, right? I hope not. It, it, it doesn't. No. It, it no. would. It would help. It would help the whole Seb, Emma thing. I think, if Alina was in a relationship with somebody else. But I don't like Alina and and David together. No. And David really needs to sort out this whole divorce thing, which isn't going to happen for another seven months. Yikes! Which gives us enough time for somebody to get off of uh, maternity leave and, <laughs> and right. get her memory back and. All that fun stuff. Talking off, <clears throat> talking off, Seb and Emma. Our next storyline is Semina. Seb and Emma and Alina. It's like Semolina. It is a little bit. In fact, that's what autocorrect changed it to. Yeah. On Monday. Or semen. Ah. <laughs> that's your usual reaction to being. <laughs> Oh, it's some semen. Oh. Sure. Sure. Oh, it's all sticky. On Monday, Seth comes into the flat. He stayed at a mate's, not that anyone asked. He apologises for the David situation. He admits to not w- wanting to see Alina get hurt and promises to step back. It's Emma what he wants. Emma's not sure if she wants to be his doormat and he swears that won't happen. In Roy's roles, Roy's telling Alina about the remaining steam locomotives that used to be in Wales and then gives him, then gives her some hugely interesting information about them. In comes Seb, looking to have a word. He apologises for the David thing and asks her to tell Emma that they're just mates. Alina isn't sure that they are anymore and she's regretting moving into the flat. 
we'll move out then, says Seb, just as Emma comes in. And the three of them argue in Roy's roles, Seb insisting that he didn't ask her to move out and doesn't think that she should have to because there's nothing going on. Emma thinks that there's something that Seb isn't telling her. She can't deal with this anymore and she apologises and then she leaves. So on Wednesday, Steve is in Roy's roles with Amy. He'd like to do something as a family with her, like 10-pin bowling. I hate 10-pin bowling. You hate all bowling. I actually quite like regular bowling. What I would call bowling. Where you have the, the ball that runs in the big arc that goes down to the little jack. You've never seen this before, have you? No. This is a much more sedate sport <laughs> and requires a little bit more uh, skill than just chucking a ball down as quickly as you can. It's just the fact that you're putting your fingers in into holes that tens of thousands of people have put their fingers into and putting your feet into shoes that tens of thousands of people... Unless you buy your own bowling ball and shoes. And who's going to do that? People to who do something that, bowl like, that you bowl like once a year or twice a year. I bet you they're doing well out of the coronavirus. Aye. So, Amy would rather do homework. Yes, I would rather do homework as well. Steve is pissed until Amy suggests that they watch a movie. Can I get popcorn, asks Steve. Only for good, says Amy. Uh huh. That was lovely. Yes. Seb has bought Emma flowers. She's unimpressed. Don't be like that, he says. Well, what would, you, what would you like me to be like? Romanian? Emma asks. Burn. She wants Seb to move out. This isn't working. She has nothing else to say. He says he's going to fight for them and he refuses to leave. Mm-hmm. He refuses to leave. Yes. This is an asshole move, right? It depends whose name is on the lease. Well, it's Maria's, isn't it? Is it still? I thought I Maria so. was off the lease now because she doesn't live there anymore. Oh, she shut up with God, isn't she? Yeah. So who's staying there now? <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just Emma and um, Seb and Alina now because Bethany left. Right. And Maria left. So that's it. It's just the three of them. Oh, anyway. Fine, says Emma, and she goes off to pack herself. Ha ha. Called your bluff, you prick. Steve and Amy are watching Pitch Perfect when the door goes. Or they're, they're, they're us to believe ready. they're watching Pitch they're Perfect. They're about ready to watch Pitch Perfect. But none of the noises that were coming out of that TV had anything to do with Pitch Perfect. I didn't hear any noises coming I, out. I know my Pitch Perfect. That's one of your favourite movies. I'm surprised we haven't watched that. Oh, give it time. <laughs> <laughs> they're definitely at number one. Yes, they are definitely number one. You mm-hmm. cannot mistake that wallpaper. Right. So the door goes, and it's Emma. She needs some place to stay, and Steve says that she's welcome to stay as long as she likes, and Amy looks quite pleased about this. Mm-hmm. On Friday, Emma's moping over her breakfast while Tracy has a roll of toilet paper in her hair, or that's how it looked anyway. No, she has some shaving cream stuck to her head. I thought it was toilet paper. It was <laughs> shaving cream. That's Tracy- why she... Tracy thinks this is Emma's own fault for inviting Alina to stay in the first place. Fair point. Mm-hmm. Emma's about to point out Tracy's head when Steve intervenes and tells Emma to go and have a bath or something. And it turns out it's shaving foam or something because later Tracy comes home and squishes Steve's head, even Which... though it's afternoon and April's fools don't count. Is uh, is that is that th- that's not the rule here? Yes, yeah, so this is the rule in, in the UK. It's, yeah, you got April to... fools all day. No, you got to fool someone in the morning. And because if you fool somebody someday afternoon, you're the fool. That's what the rule is. And that if you try to fool them the next day, you're the fool. 
Near the biggest pool of all. That's very interesting. Mm. We should do an April Fool's <laughs> episode. <laughs> We've just done it. This I know. I know. This is going to have to be uh, next year. <laughs> Steve and Tracy have talked about getting away for a couple of days. Uh, they want to visit Daniel or something. They want to go to Scotland. No, they want to go. Uh, yeah, Beth. They want to visit Beth. They don't really want to visit Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> and Emma says that she'll be fine on her own. And that's as far as we get with that mm-hmm. this week. You thought Amy was chuffed. I thought Amy was a little pissed off. Because, oh, because before Emma comes in, Steve complains about the fact that they're watching Pitch Perfect. But then when Emma comes in and she says how much she likes Pitch Perfect, Steve says that Pitch Perfect is one of his favorite movies. And then he takes the popcorn away from Amy and gives it to Emma. So it feels like there's a little bit of sibling rivalry bubbling up there in Amy's mind, at least, that Steve is showing favoritism to Emma as opposed to her. I will come clean with you. I noticed nothing about Amy. I just took a guess. Ah. I figured she'd be happy to see Emma. Well, yes. We're all happy to see Emma. So. She has her hair in braids now for the. Emma? Well, the actress who plays Emma, Alexandra. She posted on uh, Instagram. She has these really long box braids in in her hair now for the uh, foreseeable future. Kind of like how our friend Rochelle uh, took out all of her extensions and stuff. People are being really conscious about doing their hair in a way that isn't going to require a lot of product and a lot of a lot of work right. for the foreseeable future, which is wise. She's Alexander still looks stunning. Actually, I think she looks more stunning with the braids. Oh, I'll have to check it out. Absolutely. Oh, that's going to be creepy. Thumbs up. <laughs> it's fine. Okay. So it's part of it's part of the job, right? <laughs> <laughs> so where do you think we're going with the seven, Emma and Alina stuff? I don't even <clears throat> I don't even know. It just it seems like it's following the same track. And if Emma's gone, that means the only people living there now are Seb and Alina, and that's going to cause problems. And I just don't know. It's a strange one because. Emma and Alina on their own. If you were to give them a, a score, mm-hmm. just not based on anything, not based on look or personality or anything, mm-hmm. but just, just give them both a score. Mm-hmm. Let's say we give them both an eight. When you add Seb to either one of them, that score goes down. <laughs> I don't I don't think Seb and Alina work. And I don't think Seb and Emma work. I think Seb and Emma work better than Seb and Alina at this point. I still don't understand why they brought that character back. No. It doesn't make sense that she would come back. I think I would agree with you. I think that the Seb and Emma is probably better than Seb and Alina because right. the Alina character doesn't have an awful lot about her because she's not funny. Well, she isn't. She isn't funny. She isn't really ditzy. She doesn't have anything... You don't look at that card and say, Alina is a something character. You don't know what that something yeah, is. Without the human trafficking story, right? we don't really know enough about her to be emotionally invested in her. And maybe that's a problem. Maybe because she was trafficked and she's like becomes kind of like a drone or she just switches everything off. Well, I don't think she's necessarily a drone because she is, you know, she's sticking up for herself and she's, you know, and she's making little jokes and she's... You know, she's 
it feels like she's trying to be the opposite of the of the trafficked person like she's standing mm. up for herself and everything and i really liked the conversation she has with roy about trains where she's she's being very sweet with roy and and pretending to be interested in trains yeah mm. you know so there's but but because she was a character written for a very specific story right i don't know if it necessarily works to have her come back after that story's over just like at this point as much as i loved her it would be really weird if lolly came back oh yeah she has no reason to come there's back. no reason for her to come back and <laughs> she just randomly turned off <laughs> right for Kate. Well, well, what she do? Anymore. Uh, all right bye oh, for a bit Rana. Oh, Rana said yeah i think i knew that and then bye then she leaves yeah <laughs> And as as much as we like to, you know, make fun of the whole Carol thing, if she did come back, it would be weird, you know? Yep. Because she was a character written for a very specific storyline that is now over. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I'd have been quite happy if she's, if she just didn't come back. I don't understand why she would have come back to Weatherfield where... The memory of all this horror right happened well she kind of admits to somebody last week doesn't she that she kind of came back for seb but then once you realize that seb is in a relationship with somebody else and didn't they say to her that she should never come back <laughs> to weatherfield that she needed to distance herself from the whole place because those people those human trafficking people still know people Right. And everything, yeah, it could it could put her life in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to attempt to to do that again. Kind of hope oh, not. God, no, I hope not. I would have much rather had Jan come back, if I'm honest. Yeah, I'd have taken that. Just for Eileen, yeah. Yeah. That would have made more sense. Yes. On to our next story. Yes. Which is... Oh, I, <laughs> Which at this point is called storyline number four. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to give it. Well, what's it about? It's the one that's about Alad's hearing aid. Oh. <clears throat> so this official title is storyline number four. <laughs> <laughs> On Monday, Bernie and Gemma are doing the washing uh, when Gemma gets a text letting her know that the hearing aids have come in and can get fitted tomorrow. Oh, that's nice. And Ches is so excited by this, he goes off to work. <laughs> At the kebab shop, Chesney asks for Cathy's advice regarding Bernie, who's still been a bomb scare and is causing more work at home than she's doing, which I didn't think was very fair. No, it wasn't fair at all. But again, remember, Chesney doesn't know about Gemma's depression stuff. Right, because he has no eyes and his ears aren't working either. No, he has no idea. Cathy offers to go around and check on her later. Then Cathy's in Roy's rolls and asks for her coffee to go rather than take away. I say take away here and only people who know me have the first clue what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It's to go. And they have this whole conversation about Americanisms mm-hmm. and how Roy doesn't approve of Americanisms no, creeping into British British, British lexicon. Correct. Yeah, there's another episode of Common Language <laughs> that just writes itself, doesn't it? <laughs> Alex promises to bring some hot cocoa over for Gemma later. With marshmallows and whipped cream. Both. 
Both and, of them. And later, as much later, on Wednesday, Kathy and Alex turn up at Gemma's. Alex is speaking Spanish today. It was very nice. I liked. <laughs> I liked hilarious. his speaking Spanish to to Nick and to to Kathy and and everything. It was lovely. He heads off to see Gemma in the yard. Kathy and Bernie chat about how Gemma's doing. Kathy is worried that Bernie's taken advantage, but Bernie says that she hasn't stopped working all day. Everyone's got it really in for Bernie here. Right. Kathy offers to help, and Bernie tells her to get the kettle on then because she can take a break. And Bernie's enjoying her break, but Kathy's keen for her to get back to work, splitting the colours of washing three ways. In comes Gemma. <laughs> that noise was? Splitting the laundry three ways. What What sort of... What was it? Colours, lights, and whites. Yes. I, don't, I, I, I put my lights and my whites together, and it's fine, because we have technology now. I've never separated the washing. No, no, and it, it, it frustrates and angers me. This is why you don't do the laundry in this house. <laughs> so in comes Gemma, impressed that the place is looking so great, and gives Cathy the credit. Gemma insists that she's doing fine, thank you very much. <laughs> Then on Friday at Chesney's, Bernie has drawn spots on her face in an attempt to pretend that she has chicken pox. This doesn't fool Chesney, but the salt in the sugar bowl does. Bernie suggests that Chesney takes Alad for his hearing aid fitting on his own, but he insists that Gemma has been looking forward to this for ages. At the hospital, Alad's getting his hearing aids fitted. Gemma is worried that the volume will be too high. Oh, so that was kind of mm. sweet and heartbreaking a little bit. Yeah. But Chesney is 100% thrilled. And to think Bernie wanted him to come on his own, he says. And with the hearing aids fitted, Alad seems to be responding to noise, to the clapping of the nurse and to uh, Chesney speaking to him and his wee face lights up. And yeah. Ch- Chesney is amazed, but Gemma looks like she's in a trance. And back home, Bernie thinks that they've had a great day. Gemma is still a bit spaced out and chases Ches to go back to work. And later, you don't fool me, says Bernie after he's gone. Chesney is fizzing and there's nothing coming from Gemma. She says that she's just been worried and is better and she thinks she can manage on her own now and she wants Bernie to leave. Get out. She says that she has Rita and she has Cathy and people that yeah, she, that all these she people never that reaches she out to. Yeah, all keeps pushing away. Right. Well. Oh, it's difficult to think anything about this one because it feels kind of similar to where we left off last week. Yeah. The only difference is that a baby can now hear. Yes, which is nice. That's good for the baby. Yeah, good good on you, baby. <laughs> That's a great baby actor. <laughs> Pretending that they can hear all of a sudden. Right. Well done, baby. <laughs> I wonder what the director said to the baby to get, <laughs> the reaction. To get that performance out of it. To look, <laughs> here's where you are. You need to pretend that you've been deaf all this time. <laughs> it's like, imagine a light's been switched on. You just reach into yourself and... And find that joy of discovery. And the baby's like, I've got it. Okay. <laughs> Maybe that's what they did. Maybe they just turned a light on behind Chesney. That's probably what they did. <laughs> the baby's like, whoa. Or they had... Uh, or a ceiling fan. Babies love ceiling fans. Or they had Gary Windass dressed up as a clown appearing from behind <laughs> some helium balloons. Maybe that's what happened. <laughs> he wouldn't need a wig. <laughs> Our penultimate storyline. Although, let's let's be honest... Allard is not shocked by red hair anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> He's well used to it. This is Charles in charge. On Monday, the carpet pee removal guy is at Shady Acres. He's cleaning it up with a J-cloth and then reveals that he's just an employee there. 
Ken realises that Charles has been having them on with professional cleaners and expensive equipment and all that line. Yeah, which we we figured. Because the fine was 200. Yeah. 200 pounds. That's... That's a lot. That's a lot of money for one dog pee. Right. Squish, squish. Wipe, wipe. (laughs) Done. Done. (laughs) At the bar, Norris thinks that Charles is making up the rules as they go along. Ken wonders where the fines go, and Norris says it goes into a maintenance fund, but no one ever sees the benefit of it. Everyone Mm. is terrified to make a big deal about it, and Ken strokes his chin. Mm -hmm. Then on Wednesday, in the lounge, Charles seems to be taking responsibility for catching the Hatton uh, Garden robbers. Are you familiar with this? Mm -mm. This is a great story. Well, it depends on your perspective. Uh If you owned an awful lot of jewellery and you stored them in the Hatton Garden uh, jewellers, Uh then you probably don't think this is a great story. Okay. Over Easter weekend, oh God, this must be 10 years ago, maybe? Okay. Over the Easter weekend when the shops are closed from Friday to Monday, so it's Mm -hmm. a long weekend. A gang of geriatric robbers <laughs> dressed as what? See, I think they were, I think they were all in their sixties. It's not really geriatric. It's not geriatric, but they uh, they broke into the the shop next door. Uh huh. And in the basement, they drilled. They had this massive drill. Uh huh. That they drilled through the wall. <laughs> Broke into the, and the, 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 this took them the whole weekend. Right. And, and the noise was incredible. And it no, had to have been. And nobody, nobody, nobody cared. Reported it. And they, they stole millions and millions and millions of pounds worth of uh, diamonds and jewels and uh, stuff that was in safety deposit boxes and stuff. Right. And it was just like the the, the last great heist that, uh, that that's happened after the great train robbery and there was mm-hmm. a, there was. A, Another one at Heathrow, I think. Uh, Brink Smart, I think. Right. Uh, and yeah, and they they, they got away. <laughs> and they, they eventually got caught and they got right. they got the, the jail. But uh, for a while there, it was it was like a like a Ocean's Eleven Jimmy Bond type thing. That's hilarious. So yeah. Oh, anyway, Ken wants a copy of the residence rule book, but Charles says it's at the printers. Ken would like to see the old one then, and Charles says that they're all gone because the new ones are at the printers. If nothing's written down, how can Ken know what the rules and penalties are? And Charles says that he's been in charge for seven years and things have been running pretty smoothly, thank you very much. And Ken thinks maybe it's time for fresh blood. Well, fresh-ish blood, I guess. Ha ha. And raises the idea of an election. Ha 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 ha. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Yes. And then Charles goes off to give a lecture on... Oh God, whatever. Um, self... Something about, like, self-deception or something. Self-deception? Yeah. Deceiving yourself? Yes. Or, or, yeah. You know how some people have talked themselves into believing that the coronavirus is a hoax still? That sort of thing. I'm not sure that's what it mental, was. Mental deception or something. It was something along those lines. It was very, you know, and even Ken says, well, that's appropriate or something oh. so I think is this the way that we're going with this story because it, it, it seemed that it was going to be like a great escape story of getting Norris and Ken out of Shady Acres and back onto the street 
it doesn't feel like it's that now. It feels like it's morphing into a Ken trying to oust Charles and become the whoever it is that Charles is, the head arsehole, whatever. Yeah, so now it's a Mancurian candidate. Right. Yeah, I'm a bit well, quite excited about that. Oh. I quite, I'm still enjoying it, but I think well, I mean, it means it Angela Lansbury might show up. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you never know. She's still alive. Yes, she's still alive. Remember, she was in uh, that um, new Mary Poppins movie, Mary Poppins Returns. Remember? Yeah, but that wasn't yesterday. It's like last year. That's plenty of time to die. Angela Lansbury is still alive. We must protect her at all costs. <laughs> her and Betty White and. Maggie Smith and, and Judy Dench and we we just need to build a wall around these people and protect <laughs> them at all costs. I was playing the birthday game with my teammates yesterday. Uh-huh. And I mixed it up by throwing in Vincent Van Gogh into the mix. He would have had a birthday last week. Uh. 167. We call him Van Gogh here in yeah, America. That's, that's not how the Dutch say it. Yeah, I know. But just, just, just in case it that confused people on the podcast. Not that we have a lot of American listeners. But. I do actually have an awful lot of American do listeners. We? Yeah. Ah. Um, My dad. I, th- I think the Vincent Van might have been enough to give away. Mm. You never know. My dad used to tell this dad joke where he'd say, Vincent Van Gogh, where did he go? <laughs> Which part of that's funny? None of it. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because it's just funny that my dad thought it was funny. Even uh, Vincent van Gogh's self-portraits have managed to get into the coronavirus. Oh, yeah, because he's missing an ear. <laughs> right. So he can't just, put his face mask his on. Face he's like, Damn by it. His side. Gallows humour, folks. Ah, yes. <clears throat> it's the best kind, honestly. I lo- I was a fan of gallows humour, even before we were all going to die. So, <laughs> Shall we move on? Yes, please. Our final storyline to this morning. Tim's fucking dad. Oh, fuck him. <laughs> on Monday, everyone's bright and breezy at speed dial. Alia asks what hotel uh, that Tim's dad and Yasmin have booked into, but Tim's dad says that he thinks that they got the last one because Alia was going to get the same one, but mm-hmm. then can't remember the name of it and says it was the most expensive in the area. Tim's dad five stars. Tim's dad absolutely hasn't booked a room. Absolutely this not. Is, this is clear immediately to everyone. After Alia has left, Tim's dad pretends to be worried that he's going to be treated as an outsider, but Yasmin doesn't think there should be any problems. Later, Alia had a meeting with a new supplier, but she's not sure about them and wants to maybe just give her a trial run. Tim's dad butts in and Alia tells him to shut the fuck up. Yasmin suggests a trial run with the supplier, which is what Alia just said, and Tim's dad and Alia snipe at each other and Yasmin urges calm and understanding from both of them. I wonder if the new supplier has um, sardine oil. Why do you wonder that? Oh, uh, because uh, on on Twitter earlier today, somebody said uh, that Yasmin should get advice from Tracy on how to kill husbands. And somebody else said, or maybe Carol Baskin. And the first person said, yeah, but she'll actually run into Tracy <laughs> at the Rovers as opposed to Carol Baskin. Carol Baskin is the woman. In I, know, the- I know, but I just didn't follow any of that. <laughs> Well, people want Yasmin... To kill Tim's dad, yes. Yes. And so one person said she should get some tips from Tracy. Right. Because Tracy's killed a man. And will kill again, yes. Yes. And somebody else said, or she could ask Carol Baskin. 
Right. It was the woman from the Tiger, Tiger King, King yeah, documentary who, just, yeah. who absolutely definitely killed her definitely husband. killed her husband. And in the documentary, she says something about, "Oh, the only way to get somebody to get a tiger to eat someone would be to cover their remains in sardine oil, which is how you know she totally did it." <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I was suggesting that maybe the suppliers have some sardine oil that we can cover Tim's dad in and feed him to tigers. Okay. All right. At home, Tim's dad is still pretending to be worried that Alia doesn't want him at the wedding. Alia has made this quite clear, but Yasmin is sure that it won't happen. Tim's dad says he's under a huge amount of stress, then clutches his chest and... <laughs> In the background, while Yasmin is still doing stuff, that was hilarious. I would have loved it. It took her forever to notice that he was pretending to have a heart attack and not even clutching the right part of his chest. I'd have preferred him when he realised that she hadn't realised to stand up and do it again. <laughs> that, that, that should have happened. I've just been really, like, oh, you know, I'm coming <laughs> wheezy, sort of. So Yasmin quickly calls an ambulance. She thinks Tim's dad is having a heart attack and he seems a little surprised that she's taken this so seriously. Later, the paramedics say that he hasn't had a heart attack. Yasmin is worried about his underlying health condition, which I don't think exists either. No. And Yasmin and the paramedics want him in the hospital, but he says he's feeling fine now and he doesn't want to be a burden and he doesn't want to miss a wedding if he's told that he can't fly. Mm. Well, your fucking funeral, says the paramedic, and off he goes. Yeah. And you can fly if you want. Nobody yeah. nobody tells him he can't fly. No, he's worried that if he goes to the hospital, the doctors will tell him that he can't fly. Right. So he's putting that bug in, in the air that he shouldn't be flying. Yes. Yeah. It's quite clever. Yes. Well... Well, it is. Let's it's, 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 it's clever in a ghastly way. Devious. But, right. It's deceptive. Outside, Alia, Ryan and Tim see the ambulance outside the house, and Alia thinks the sudden turn is convenient, and Ryan agrees that it's weird, and initially, initially they think that... Yasmin is hurt. Yasmin. Tim, Sally and Yasmin tell Tim's dad that he should be going to the hospital. Yasmin makes a decision to cancel the trip. He's not fit, and it's the only common sense thing to do. Well, only if you're sure, says Tim's dad, looking smug now that he's contrived this whole situation. Right. Yasmin goes into Speeddale to pick up a dinner order and tells Alia that she and Tim's dad won't be going to the wedding, not with Tim's dad and his condition. Alia points out that he hasn't even seen a doctor. Alia says it says he's done. <laughs> we'll be heartbroken. Alia says it's Alia says that Zidane, who last week was operating on the assumption that no one would be at the wedding, will be crushed. Alia and Ryan are both now convinced that Tim's fucking dad is at it. But how can we prove it? Mm, I'm so glad that Ryan is finally on board with this. Yeah, somebody's finally given him a kick up the arse and got him interested. Well, now that he has no family left to occupy his time, finally. This Ryan playing devil's advocate all the time. Oh, well, it was awful. Just it was so awful. Somebody slap him. Please. <laughs> On Wednesday, back home, Alia's frustrated that there's no way to prove that Tim's dad is lying. She wants to try uh, getting information out of Gadas, but Ryan thinks that Moira might be open to bribery. But <laughs> he's only, I think he's only just kind of half kidding. Yeah. He thinks Tim's dad is she going totally to lose be, so much money due to the flights and hotel. And this gives Alia an idea to look up the only five-star hotel in Alicante, which she does. And then she gives him a call. Alicante is where my cousin and his wife are. Stephen and Lynn. Lynn. Stephen and Lynn. Stephen and Lynn, yes. Stephen and Lynn, not Stephen and Lynn. Stephen Lynn. <laughs> Stephen Lynn. So they're in Alicante. 
I wonder if there's only one five-star hotel in Alicante. I don't know. We'll have to go and visit them and find out. After all of this blows over, of course. So cheap. Apparently, uh, Spain is uh, has finally flattened the curve, and they're good for them. Their their numbers are are going down mm-hmm. because <laughs> they have proper leadership there. If, again, for their political podcast. Remember flights. I remember flights. What you would do is, you would book if you wanted to go somewhere far away. Yes. Say that it was going to take longer than it took to drive. Or you couldn't drive because of an ocean. Because of ocean, like overseas. Mm-hmm. What you would do is, you would go... Uh, there uh, are people overseas. <laughs> you would go to an airport. Yes. An airport's like a seaport, but it's for the air. Right. Hence the name. Yes. And what you would do is, you'd get in an airplane, and these airplanes were like big DOS houses in the sky, where people would take their uh, shoes and socks off. And it just be generally horrible. <laughs> and you would sit kind of crammed in like mm-hmm. sardines in a tin. Mm-hmm. And you would fly at great speed in the air thanks to jet propulsion. How would propulsion. you fly? Oh, jet propulsion. Jet propulsion. There so are, the wings don't flap on an airplane? No. No. Okay. There are, there are um, a couple of theories of aerodynamics and, uh, and flight, neither of which agree with each other. Oh. But Stephen Fry once postulated that one day... Uh, Airline travel will be so sophisticated that in your, the cockpit there will be a man and a dog, <laughs> and the man's job is to feed the dog, and the dog's job is to bite the man if he tries to touch anything. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah, kind of like a bumblebee. A bumblebee shouldn't be allowed to fly either. Against the laws of physics, yeah. Yes. So these would travel at a great speed, uh, like 500, 600 miles an hour Ooh. over the ocean, just carrying people from from one place to another. Interesting. And this would happen all the time. All the time, you say? Quite remarkable. Yes. Yeah, yeah my friend Susan um, posted a picture the other day. You know, it was the first time she'd been out of the house and she took a picture of the sky and she's like, it feels like after 9-11 because there are no airplanes in the sky. Are domestic flights still allowed? I think they are, but I think they're very, very limited because nobody's flying right now. Right. You'd have to be a total tit to be traveling from one place to another at this at this time. So Richard Branson, who owns Virgin Airlines, he wants the government to be allowed his uh, or the taxpayer to. He's a fucking asshole. Pay for his. He's a fucking his staff's wages. Asshole. Who has like I don't know three or four billion in the bank and a cruise line and an island. Yeah, he's a dick. I always knew he was a dick. Yeah, we always, yeah, we were always working under that assumption. Kind of proved it beyond all reasonable doubt. Anyway. Yes. So, meanwhile, Tim's dad comes down the stairs, worried that Yasmin's left him on his own. He feels bad about letting her down about the holiday, and she calls him her priority. Ugh. Then Aya goes round to see Yasmin. Tim's dad says that she's out. That's fine, I'll just wait. And she barges in and asks what hotel Tim's dad had booked. But this, but his memory hasn't improved from earlier on the matter. Alia says that she's found the only five-star hotel, the Palazzo Alhambra, and Tim's dad confirms that that's the one. Alia reveals that there's no booking in his name and he's not on the cancellation list. She accuses him of never booking a hotel and of faking his illness to stop Yasmin going to Spain. If he lied about that, what else has he been lying about? And she mentions a police report and then Tim's dad loses it, bearing down on Alia and telling her to keep her nose out of his fucking business so she'll regret it. And I was a little sad about how Alia reacted to this. Yeah. Because she was super strong. And then she's actually afraid of him. And she, yeah, she was like, oh. God, yeah, it I didn't like that. She could fucking knock him out. She could kick his <laughs> ass. So, uh, 
Yasmin comes in and pulls Tim's dad off, but not like that, and tells him to step off. Yeah, leave my granddaughter alone. What on earth is going on, says Tim's dad. Arya tells Yasmin to check his emails. There'll be no booking. Tim's dad tells Arya that he's married to Yasmin and she needs to butt out. Calmly, Yasmin asks Arya to leave. She needs to speak with Tim's dad on her own and Arya's not helping the situation. Arya leaves and promises to come back later. Mm-hmm. So on her own, Yasmin wants the truth. Yasmin's quite strong here. Yes. Tim's dad accuses her of taking Arya's side and Yasmin wants him to be reasonable. Okay then, let's talk to Dr. Gadas. Yasmin says that she believes him, but if anything happens to him, then she'll have that on his conscience. He's still part of this family, and if he wants her to be... and He's still part of this family if he wants her to be, and then talks about walking away, maybe that would be the sensible thing to do. Yasmin promises to talk to Alia, and that she trusts him, but there's something very different in Yasmin's eyes when she does this. Yes, because he's gone after her granddaughter. Yeah, and she's He's, he's crossed the line, yeah. It was one thing when he was threatening her. It's something completely different when he's threatening her grandchild. Right. Later, Alia's on the phone to her gran, begging her to check Tim's dad's emails. Yikes, she's so worried. Yasmin needs to go. Ryan, meanwhile, is furious that Tim's dad threatened Alia, who is now not going to be going to the wedding either. Ryan says plenty of people will be checking on the situation with Tim's dad allegedly not being well. It'll be fine and she should go. Yes. And that Ryan will take care of Yasmin, which is sweet. Meanwhile, Tim's dad is checking his... <clears throat> email. Vogel mail. He has an email from Rachel confirming Thursday's meetup. He shuts the laptop when Yasmin comes down the stairs. She's ran him a bath. Oh. <laughs> what is it with Tim's dad's cleanliness being... What is it with characters on fabric? this show loving baths? Because it's not just Tim's dad. It's It's Fizz. It's um, Joseph. Yes, I believe Joseph has had a bath or two. <laughs> it's Emma this week. Yeah, it's Emma. It's like whenever anybody wants to get somebody else out of their hair, they tell them to go take a bath. I think I'm this going is to why have there's to... no coronavirus on the street. I'm going to have to officially start tracking this. <laughs> the Coronation Street bath count. <laughs> Who's had a bath this week? Oh dear. <laughs> Look out for that on Twitter. <laughs> I'm totally going to do this. Of course you are. There's only two this week, so it's just. Right. Well, Tim's dad twice because later on he has a shower. But... <laughs> are we counting showers though? A good point. <laughs> let's Let's discuss the parameters of this. <laughs> I think so. Okay. Sure. One point for a shower and two points for a bath. Sure. There we go. That's (laughs) it. Two points for a bath, one point for a shower. How about the hot tub? Three points for the hot tub. All right. Four if uh, what's her face doesn't take her clothes off. (laughs) Paula. Paula. (laughs) She's wearing like a fur coat and a. A string of pearls. Oh dear! Oh, that's a little bit, a little bit warm in here. Take your fucking coat off, then, Paul. It's like that that guy at Tiger King who takes a bath in the documentary with his clothes on. It's just the strangest thing. Sorry. Everyone in that documentary is just so weird. And then the guy that had the Joe Exotic tattoo just above his pubes. Right. 
who regretted it, then got a tattoo of a bull's head to cover it. And it doesn't, and it doesn't cover, cover everything. It. It's awful. It makes it worse, in my opinion. Right, it draws attention to the fact that he's got... The- that there's something else underneath there. <laughs> that he has property of Joe Exotic pointing down to his junk. Right there. Because that wasn't strange enough. Oh, if you haven't watched Tiger King, I certainly recommend it. It will distract you. Right. <laughs> but you and w- we promise not all Americans are like that. Just some. You will watch it with this expression. People can't see you. They can imagine. <laughs> Meanwhile, right. <coughs> Where did we get to? She ran him a bath. Right. He goes off to soak his stress away. <laughs> when he's gone, Yasmin grabs a laptop but can't figure out Tim's dad's password. Who do you think it is? I'm a tit. Tim's dad. <laughs> it's long. It's quite long. Anyway, <laughs> on Friday, <laughs> this is so childish. Tim's dad and Yasmin. <laughs> that silence has just killed you. <laughs> ah, on Friday, Tim's dad and Yasmin have Tim and Sally round. Don't take that silence out. It's, it's no. part of the joke. <laughs> Tim is doing the dishes when he pretends to cut off his own thumb. Everyone jumps into action stations, but no, it's just an hilarious April Fool's joke by Tim and his fucking dad. Yeah, which I didn't buy for a single no, second because not. that towel stays very clean. Right. And plus, you don't, you don't slice a finger off like you're cutting a bit of ham. It's, there's bone in there that kind of would take at least some effort. Right, yeah, you'd have to really chop it with like a cleaver. Right. Thank you for the actions. You're welcome. After all that excitement, Sally talks excitedly about the venue for her and Tim's wedding. Oh, so that's going ahead. Mm. They're about to look on the phone when Yasmin brings out Tim's dad's computer because it has a bigger screen and she watches him keying his password. Seemingly, the venue is where Tommy O got married. Oh, random fact. Later, Tim's dad's having a shower. <sighs> Yasmin logs on his laptop and sees his <clears throat> Vogel mails. She searches the name of the hotel, but there's no match. Then she sees an email come in from the escort. Mm. And then she finds dozens of emails from the same company. And now Yasmin looks a bit scared. She goes through the emails, learning more and more about the escort agency and Rachel. And then she isn't even startled, not one little bit, when Tim's dad sneaks up behind her and asks her what she's doing. She doesn't flinch. No. Because there's no point, I no. guess. But He doesn't remember giving her his password, but then he twigs that she was over his shoulder earlier. She wants to know why he has so many emails from an escort agency. And he claims, oh, you stupid woman, you don't listen to me. He claims that this is all for that research that he was doing about modern dating on his radio show. Yeah, which is bullshit. Right. He doesn't appreciate her accusatory tone. He patronises her, saying that escorts aren't prostitutes, you know. That's a really weird way of saying that word. Accusatory. Yeah, accusatory. But you before, and he said, accusatory. Accusatory. It's the same thing. Instead of accusatory. He says it's a dating agency and Yasmin's behaviour is nasty. Well, if you don't trust me, then fill your boots. Read all my emails. She apologises and he grabs a laptop laptop offer and goes to change his password. Tim's dad is loudly lamenting the problems of choosing a new password that will be good enough that his nosy wife won't find out. Yasmin says that the only reason she was on the laptop in the first place was to find proof that he did book the hotel so she could... Uh, disprove Alia's claims but she found no such evidence still don't trust me says Tim's dad 
She wants to see the confirmation number of the booking, and this forces Tim's dad into admitting that he lied. He's lied. He's an asshole. I was quite surprised that he admitted to it so quickly. Yeah, but then he tries to spin it too. Like, oh, I only lied about this one thing. You can't prove that I lied about everything else (laughs) just by this one thing. Fine, I lied about this. And his excuse for lying is really weird. Isn't it? That he lied because he wanted to play the big man? Like, well, then do it. Then book the really expensive place. Don't say you did it because that lie falls apart really quickly. Right. And now he's playing the victim. He lied to everyone to make a grand gesture. Yasmin says that he must have known that he'd get caught out or did he never intend for them to go. Tim's dad says a little exaggeration wasn't so wrong and he was only doing this for her. And why is it such a big deal? Ugh. What do you want, he asks. Well, she wants to go to Spain. Yeah. And he says, like, okay, fine, we'll go to Spain. Like, and she no. says, no, you're not invited. No. Alia was right, and some time apart will do them good. She isn't asking his permission, and she goes off to pack. Uh, and, and he, for a minute, looks like he's going to try and pull the old heart, fake heart attack routine again. I loved that whole, and then I'm not asking your permission. Right. That was great. So Yasmin's packed. What if I have a relapse, asks Tim's dad. But Yasmin isn't so sure that he's as sick as he's making out. He accuses her... Tim and Sally are just right over right. next door. He accuses her of being cynical. Yeah, well, whose fault is that, she says. If he's so worried, go live with Tim and Sally. He begs her not to go, doesn't think that she'll come back. He tries to unpack her bag and she stops him. She says that she'll be back in a few days. And as she goes to the door, he slams it shut. You're not going anywhere, he says. And that's how we end this week's episodes. And this should have been... Oh, I know we really wanted that next episode. <laughs> we really wanted that next episode. This was part one of Wednesday. Ah, so we would have found out the same day ah, what happens with us. I know, it's such a cliffhanger. It actually <laughs> makes me really excited for Monday. Absolutely. <laughs> what a great way to finish the, the week. Oof. Oof. <laughs> ah, I loved... The strength that Yasmin has found. Yes, finally. In these episodes. And maybe a little bit last week, she seemed to be... Her doubts were, were kind of finding their ground a little bit. Yes. But when she's when she's the Yasmin that she was mm-hmm. like a year ago, which is kind of... We, we saw real evidence of that, especially mm-hmm. in Friday's episodes. Yes. Where she's not taking no shit from nobody. Correct. And... You don't scare me. Nope. And this is what I'm doing. And if you don't like it, well, you can kiss my ass. Yes. Loved it. Yes. Tim's dad's not giving up without a fight, though. No. And maybe literally without a fight. Yeah. But you know what? If he hurts her, then the jig is up. There will be physical evidence that he's an asshole. He wouldn't be able to... Play that off. Right. Is anything else? What do you think Tim's going to do when he finds out that his dad's such an asshole? Uh, I think Tim deep down already knows his dad's an asshole. (laughs) I think Tim is deceiving himself. Self-deception again. I think he absolutely knows better, but just chooses not to see it. Because I feel like he's been gaslit by his dad all his life as well. Can you imagine being raised by somebody like that? Mm-hmm. 
I'm still not sure what Tim's dad gets out of this. It's very difficult to put yourself in those shoes. Well, because he, could... he does, he, I think he does want to stay with Yasmin. Right, because she cooks for him and cleans for him and slaves over him and fawns over him. But making her so visibly unhappy, and he knows that he's doing that. He knows that he's making her unhappy. Yeah, that makes him happy. But why does it make him happy? I'm, that's because he's a masochist. Oh, right. Because right. he's an awful human being who likes to make, who likes to be in control and likes to control people. Is he what you would call psychotic? I would have. Would to, you call him a sociopath? I would have to double check the definitions of masochist and so- sociopath and, and psychotic before I answer that question. He's an awful person. Yes, I think we've we've struggled with those definitions before in the past, and people Correct. have helped us out. <laughs> uh, He's an awful person, and who likes who likes to make other people unhappy because he likes to be in control of the situation. What a horrible existence that must be. Eh. Well, let's put a bleak view on. No, it makes on them the world happy. And your friends, that must be. Well, it makes them happy, and they have no friends. <sighs> Tim's dad has no friends. He may, you know, Brian has tried to be. Brian is forced to be his friend because Kathy's friends with Yasmin, but Brian's not his but friend. No, Brian's not his friend, and Tim's dad has kind of pushed them away as well. Mm-hmm. As as discussed about the whole bean thing last year, remember? Right. <laughs> the beans, yes. This has been a very slow moving storyline, which yeah. is good. Best part of eighteen months, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe even longer than that. They should do all storylines like this. Imagine how fragile that is, though, uh, building out a storyline that you know is going to last for like a couple of years. Mm-hmm. When people and actors are fickle. That's true. And, and you know, it would just take very little for the, the wheels to fall off that. I'm glad it hasn't. I'm glad it's been yeah. able to. It's been <clears> good. And when, I think back to when, I think it was Chris, yes, that one, who first aired his suspicions that this was a little more dark than it was yeah. at first appearance. I thought, oh, that that would be excellent if they, if, they, if they did that. And then I didn't really trust that they would. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they have is just commendable. Nice. And again, just top-notch acting from both of them. If you hate Tim's dad and Ian Bartholomew's doing a good job. Absolutely. You're mate, you're mate to him. And he said in interviews that it's really horrible having to play this character. Right, well, I can imagine. It seems that he's uh, quite the delight in real life. Yeah, he seems like he would be a delight. But that's like, uh, what's his name, who played uh, the awful little twit prince in, in Game of Thrones. Apparently, he's a very nice person in real life. And it was kind of awful. Right. Or uh, or what's his name from Harry Potter? The kid who's in Slytherin. <laughs> Why can't I think of things today? Who's also a delightful person in real life. I don't know his real name, but he plays Draco. Yes. Yes. Draco Malfoy in real life is... Uh, and is... it was Prince Joffrey. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't finished this cup of coffee yet. Yes, they're both delightful human beings in real life, and they play assholes on TV and are hated by people. Your moment of the week. 
Yasmin's saying, I'm not asking your permission. I think that cliffhanger, mm. that whole scene. That was great. But yeah, the, I'm not asking your permission was... Oh, that was such a relief when she said that. I was right. like, oh, yes. Yeah, I would agree. That's our... Moment of the week. Moment of the week. Oh, a little flourish. <laughs> our boring moment of the week. Roy talking about trains in Romania. <laughs> it's got to be. <laughs> as much as I, I, I loved the interaction between him and Alina... That's that's it's it's got to be the trains. Sorry, Roy. Okay, so that's our boring moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. That little snippet is the little sting that introduces this episode. Uh huh. And I think this episode's called Romanian Steam Locomotives or something. Ah. So there we go. Somehow we managed to get an hour and a half out of that. Woohoo! That's just because unusual. We are professionals. We just rambled so we much. Make dick jokes. <laughs> no, we don't even make the joke. We we let the joke exist without having to say it. Right. That's that's the side of a good comedian. That you don't have to no, tell the whole joke. Now. <laughs> just uh, shall we wrap this one up then? Please. If you aren't sure if you booked the most Excelsior Hotel in Alicante, then drop us a line. I can Excelsior! Ask my, I can ask my cousin and we can find out for you. We're the talk of the street at gmail.com for email. Same for voicemail on Skype or a virtual badger receiving receptacle on PayPal. On social media, we're at Cory Podcast on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And please maybe think about giving us a rating and review on iTunes. It would be very much appreciated. Please. Thank you for making it to the end of another episode. We will be back next week with more Talk of the Street. Take care of yourselves, folks. Bye-bye. This episode was brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today.